This is The Guardian. Today, why a generation of young people in France feel they have nothing left to lose. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. It's been a week since 17-year-old Niall was shot in Paris. He was in a yellow Mercedes with two friends when a traffic stop by French police early last Tuesday morning ended in his killing. Niall had given his mum a hug. He told her he loved her and said he was off to McDonald's. She said they left home at the same time and she went off to work. An hour later, she found out her son had been shot. The teenager's death has sparked outrage. Paris is burning. But so are cities and towns across France, spreading to regions in French-speaking Belgium and Switzerland. Thousands of young people have been arrested, some just 13 years old. What's happened night after night in France for the past week has been a lot more serious than any unrest or rioting that's happened over the last few decades. The anger that has been on the street in so many different places in France. Not just in the suburbs north of Paris, but in places as far away as Toulouse and Metz in the east, Strasbourg and Lille. Dans plusieurs villes de la métropole lilloise, des émeutes, affrontements et incendies de la nuit dernière. More people and younger people have been on the streets. More damage has been caused from burning cars to shops, to town halls, police stations, even 200 schools. Even people on the 15th or 16th floors of tower blocks have said that tear gas has been permeating into their living rooms. The Guardian's Angelique Chrysafis has been reporting from Paris for almost two decades. She has witnessed dozens of protests, demonstrations and riots. But Niall's killing has tipped into a moment quite unlike any other. People from grandmothers to students just said that they felt so angry and cut off from the French state. They were talking repeatedly of racism. There's a real sense of tension and there's a sense that things just can't get put back in a box this time, that the anger is, is going to fester until issues have been politically addressed. take 
for France's marginalized communities to be heard and for young people to believe there is hope for a fair future. For Niall's mother, all of this comes down to the pain of losing her only son, her best friend. From The Guardian, I'm Nosheen Iqbal. Today in Focus, the killing of Niall and a week of grief and fury in France. Angelique Chrysafis, you're The Guardian's Paris correspondent and you've been out reporting night after night on a week of riots and civil unrest across France. It began last Tuesday after the police shooting of a 17-year-old called Niall. Can you tell me first of all who Niall was and where he grew up? Niall was a 17-year-old boy from an Algerian family. He'd been raised by his mum and his grandma on the Pablo Picasso estate in Nanterre outside Paris. And the Pablo Picasso estate was one of those famous 1970 architectural experiments, these huge tower blocks with a kind of curved shape and teardrop windows. And it was almost like an architectural utopia when it was conceived. And the people working there originally, a lot of them worked in car factories, but in the decades since, there's been higher than average unemployment and poverty. And yet it's within view, the towers where Niall grew up, of the beautiful glass buildings of La Défense, Paris's business district. So Niall was a boy like any other in the neighbourhood who would hang out with his friends outside. He was described by local educators as trying to succeed in difficult circumstances. He joined a school class um, for children with behaviour issues to avoid exclusion. He did a bit of delivery work by bike for local fast food, and he was described as really trying to build his life. On the morning of the 27th of June, he said goodbye to his mum, that he loved her, and he was going off to McDonald's. And so then last Tuesday, he's left home, and then we hear about this fatal traffic stop. Angelique, what do we know about what happened? Well, around 7.55 on the Tuesday morning, two motorbike police saw a yellow Mercedes uh, with Polish plates driving along a bus lane in Nanterre. And they noticed that the driver had two passengers and looked very young. So the two motorbike police put their sirens on and tried to stop the car. The car didn't stop. And in fact, it jumped a red light. But the car then got caught up in traffic. And it was at that point that the police stopped the car, got off their bikes and went to speak to the driver. Shortly afterwards, there was one shot that rang out and the driver had been killed. Well, the police initially said that the teenager driving this car was driving towards them with the intention of hurting them. But then footage of the incident posted online told a different story. What did it show? The video shows two police officers standing by the side of the stationary car with one pointing a gun at the driver. And a voice is heard saying, you're going to get a bullet in the head. The car then moves off and a shot is heard. So Nahil's friend, who is in the car with him, says the car accidentally lurched forward. Nahil was quickly shot and killed. But what has happened to the officer involved in the shooting who has been identified as Florian M.? Well, the officer was a 38-year-old, very experienced motorbike police officer, and he was, has been arrested and charged with voluntary homicide, and he's been retained in custody. His lawyer has said he didn't want to shoot the driver, that he was trying to shoot downwards, but that his gun moved upwards. And 
His lawyer said he's devastated and he's offered an apology to the family. Angelique, over the last week, more than 3,000 people have been arrested for rioting, looting, arson. More than 45,000 police officers have been deployed, not just in Paris, but across the country in Lyon, Marseille and beyond. There are even reports of protests breaking out in Belgium and Switzerland. Can you give us a sense of what the backlash against this shooting has looked like and how it has shifted over the last week? Well, from about 7pm onwards, sometimes even earlier, um, there have been groups of um, people coming out into Bonnier suburbs around Paris, but also areas on housing estates in all sorts of towns and cities from Roubaix in the north to Toulouse in the south. Many people are armed with firework mortars, so Roman candle blasters, which should be fired from the ground up into the sky for major pyrotechnics, are actually Mm -hmm. being fired horizontally at police. There has been over 5,000 car burnings, which is a very, very high amount compared to previous unrest in France. Another aspect that's been different this time is there has been a large amount of looting that have been happening often in the centre of cities, particularly in Marseille, which has been the worst hit, but also in Paris. There has been 700 police officers injured. We don't have the number of people who've been injured amongst protesters. And about a third of the people who've been arrested have been under 18. The average age is 17 and most aren't known to police. And often these disturbances have been continuing into the early hours of the morning with running battles with police. Amidst the feeling of anger at the state, at the police, at town halls, there's anger at the media, there's anger at politicians. And so there's a real sense of tension. Angelique, can you tell me about some of the targets in some of the unrest that we've seen over the last week? Yeah, I went to an estate in Borny in the east of the eastern city of Metz near the German border. And Metz is a very vibrant city, but about three kilometres from the centre where they have these posh restaurants and an outpost of the Pompidou Museum of Modern Art, is an estate called Borny, which has 17,000 people, very high poverty rate, more than half the people live under the poverty line. And there were people who were in tears because Borny has a really very beautiful public library, which is one of the only places for local kids to hang out and to get books and to do their homework. And the library had gone up in flames And that was 12 million euros worth of damage and over 100,000 books and comics and recordings destroyed. And young people were saying, we've got nowhere to borrow books and we can't afford to buy books. And people were in tears and they just couldn't understand why state infrastructure was being hit. But they could understand the anger that people had been feeling. And they said that this anger had been simmering for so long. And one of the mums and a counsellor on the state said to me, there's no hope here. There's no hope that people can ever escape being stigmatised for their skin colour and the address that they live at. She felt that racism had got much, much worse since she first demonstrated 40 years ago for equality and against racism in France. That is incredibly depressing. Have the attacks so far been random or have there been specific targets? Well, 
Attacks on town halls had been increasing, even in very small towns in France. And the right-wing mayor, Vincent Jean-Bar, of a small town outside Paris, uh, Les Les Roses, he had quite a hard line against what was going on. And he said he would do anything to protect his town hall. And then one night when he was out protecting his town hall, his home, his, his private house, where his wife and two children were, was attacked by a burning car, which was driven straight into it. And his wife suffered a broken leg. And this is something that scandalised not just that mayor, but also the Elysee. Given the extreme serious nature of what took place, the decision has been taken to qualify this as an attempted assassination. Now, mayors have been attacked recently in France and elected officials during the Yellow Vest protests and during the protests over pension changes. But this seemed to be ramping up to a new scale. This isn't the first time young French people have demonstrated with what looks like this scream of fury at police brutality. There have been 21 police traffic stop shootings in the last three years of mostly black or Arab origin victims. We're sort of used to hearing about these fatal police shootings happening in the US, less so in France. What is going on? The issue of racism and police shootings in France is a long-running issue. It's been going on for years with activists complaining to the government. And Last year alone, there were 13 deaths at traffic stops in France. And over the past six years, the majority of the victims of shootings at traffic stops have been men of black or North African origin. There was a change to the law in 2017 in France that came after the spate of terrorist attacks, which allowed police to use their weapon during a traffic stop if they thought that there was a danger of harm being caused This has left a grey area and it's really raised an issue on police shootings at traffic stops, with people being pulled over for driving offences. But the issue goes much, much deeper than that. It goes into issues of racial profiling for decades in France and particularly people being killed during arrests, but also people being stopped for identity checks based on their skin colour with racial profiling. And can you tell me a bit more about that? in the context of police violence against minority groups in France? Well, the issue of police violence in France has really come to the fore over the last couple of decades with several really high-profile cases. In 2016, for example, Adam Atraoué, he was a 24-year-old man just outside Paris, and he died on his birthday in police custody. He had been arrested and he had been pinned to the ground, and he said, I can't breathe. And this is something which had echoes later of the George Floyd killing in America. There was unrest over that killing. It's become very high profile because his sister is campaigning over it and has been for years. But no charges have been brought. I'll make my little brother's name a symbol to tell the world that our brothers have the right to live and that they have the right to help build this world and build France and their own lives. Part of the reason why people are on the streets at the moment is that almost all young men and teenagers who are black or of North African origin, particularly in the banlieues outside Paris, have experience of being stopped by police. Police violence is something we experience all the time in our neighbourhoods. Even if not directly ourselves, we witness it all the time. France's human rights ombudsman 
said recently that if you're a young man who is perceived to be black or of North African origin, you're 20 times more likely to be stopped by police and ask for your ID papers. Very often those stops happen without explanation. They can happen several times a day repeatedly to the same people. And of the people who were involved in unrest on on, on a small housing estate in the northeast of France that I spoke to, their teacher was telling me that a lot of her teenagers who were aged 14 or 15 described feeling really humiliated that they themselves have been stopped regularly. And that's really their only experience of a relationship with the police. And what I've heard time and again on these estates is that this could have been us, that people don't feel safe and they don't feel protected and they don't feel that they're able to walk down the street or drive without the risk of being stopped by police. Is there a sense amongst the public or amongst those affected that this is getting worse, not better? Well, the UN Human Rights Spokesman has said that France must seriously address the deep issues of racism and discrimination and law enforcement. And there is a feeling that there's two issues at play. Yes, it's getting worse. People feel that um, the issues of police controls are increasing, particularly after terrorist attacks here and after recent demonstrations. And also that they're not being tackled in a systemic way by the government or the police force. And how has that UN intervention gone down? I mean, in the public discourse, does it feel like there is a reckoning afoot in France or are the authorities in denial? There isn't a reckoning going on in terms of the police force in general, partly because the government is tied up in now dealing with the unrest that's been going on night after night, but crucially because there's been no reckoning over the past few years about any idea of systemic racism. The word systemic is taboo, really, within government circles. They are pointing the finger at one officer who didn't act within the law and saying, yes, in the police, you can have random officers who are racist or who behave badly, but there is not a systemic problem in the, in the police service as a whole. And that has been the government line for a very long time. There have been moments where the government has considered police reform. After George Floyd in the US, thousands of people took to the streets in France to protest over policing here because they could see parallels. The government talked at that time of zero tolerance. They talked of small amounts of police reform in terms of training and recruitment. But that's never got to the nub because there's never been a feeling in government circles that this is a systemic problem or that there could be institutionalised racism in the force. Angelique, for generations, minorities and French Muslims in particular have been really vocal about feeling like second-class citizens in their own country. Now, France's founding principles of liberty, equality, fraternity don't seem to tally for a lot of people. Can you tell me why? Well, the universal theory of the French Republic is that all citizens are free from distinction of class, race and religion. And in France, there is a law from 1978 which actually bans the collecting of ethnic data. So we don't have any census questions in France asking about ethnicity or race. Um, Partly that is connected to history of Jews and Nazi collaboration and Jews being made to wear the yellow star and being um, counted But what's happening in the reality is that this theory of liberty, equality, fraternity, many associations, many youth workers and children themselves on estates are saying they don't feel that they're 
having access to that. It's written on the front of town halls under the French flag, but the reality is very different from the theory. And a child born and schooled in a deprived area of France has less chance of escaping their social economic background than anywhere else in Europe. They say that a lot of that stems from a very unequal education system. It's got one of the most unequal school systems in the world. And what that often looks like in reality, and what I have heard time and again, but for decades, really, for for many, many years amongst teenagers who've been out on the street, is that many of them aged 14 or 15 are funneled into technical colleges to to learn how to do manual labour or low paid work. And there is so much anger at a feeling of ghettoization of being parked in these estates where you can't properly escape through employment or studies, where everything seems stacked against you, where poverty has got a lot worse uh, during COVID and the inflation rising in energy costs, and that inequalities of French society seem to be growing. Well, it's ironic, isn't it? We're having this allegedly colourblind approach to policy where there isn't any collection of data on race or ethnicity. It means that the problem isn't being named and therefore it isn't being called out or changed in any way. Well, that's very true. And what it means is that this police shooting has brought together people who are angry over race and racism in many different ways. So when I was in Nanterre for the march that was being led for Niall by his mother, there were many, many young women who wore headscarves there who were talking about discrimination at work, um, discrimination in education, because they felt that the French law that doesn't allow um, any religious symbols in schools, for example, was affecting how they were able to dress for school. And there was also a feeling that these sorts of ideas are now seeping into political dialogue as well. So it was the sense that French political discourse is also reflecting an idea that if you have a different skin colour or if you're Muslim, you're a second class citizen. Well, does France feel particularly divided on that subject at the moment or in general? Well, I was on an estate in Metz with a very high poverty rate and a very high mix of ethnicity that was much more mixed than the richer parts of the centre of Metz. The right-wing mayor of Metz said that it was like two parallel worlds comparing those estates that were seeing unrest at night and the quieter areas of his city. And it's something that's been said for the last 20 years, at least. There are two Frances, even though this is a country with a huge social welfare system and a social safety net and less of a divide between rich and poor than some other nations, there still is a social divide between people who feel that they are parked and imprisoned, it's a word that's been used by Emmanuel Macron, on housing estates, and those with more chance of escaping their backgrounds. Coming up, how is the far right in France capitalising on the last week of unrest? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. Angelique, there's a sense, obviously, that this situation hasn't sprung from a vacuum and that there was a tinderbox in the last seven days that has seemed to have exploded. How has President Macron responded to all of this? Well, Emmanuel Macron very quickly showed compassion and support for the family. We send all the nation's faults and solidarity to his family. An adolescent has been killed. It is unacceptable and inexcusable. And he has been very vocal in condemning the unrest and any violence that has gone on on the streets at night. The last few hours have been marked by scenes of violence against police stations, schools, town halls, and therefore basically against all institutions and the Republic. And this is absolutely unjustifiable. It's been quite interesting in deliberately appealing to parents and saying that parents need to keep their children at home. And he also said something which was seen as controversial when he said that he believed that teenagers on the streets were living out their favourite video games. But it's one of the worst crises that he has faced in the last few years. Angelique, what about the police? How have they been responding? So police unions in France are very strong and very heavily involved in the running of the policing system. And um, there has been a lot of controversy. There were two unions representing half of French police who said that they felt that they were at war with vermin and savage hordes. And they said it's no longer enough to call for calm. It must be imposed. Now, there were members of those unions and senior overall head of one of those unions, which disavowed those comments. But still, it created a sense, which has been exploited also by the far right, of this idea of civil war, as it it were, you know, two groups of society against each other. Mm. And there's even been a fundraiser set up to raise money for the family of the police officer who is in detention for voluntary homicide. And that fundraiser was set up by a far right TV pundit. It's reached around the one million mark, which that TV pundit is very proud to say is far more than the fundraiser for Niall's mum. And the justice minister actually has just been saying that this is a terrible 
use and abuse of the Nile situation for political gain and that it's far-right pundits, far-right commentators exploiting this issue to create division. Well, as you said, it does feel like a moment that's ripe for the far right to exploit, particularly if if the language is that emotive and there are explosive demonstrations, civil unrest with people of colour at the centre of the story. Angelique, what have we actually heard from the likes of Marie Le Pen and so on? Well, Marie Le Pen, of course, now is thinking ahead to the next presidential race and she tends to leave the the hard talking to other members of her party, but they really have been doing it for her, talking about basically insecurity on the streets and fury at what has been going on and a sort of savagery in society. Statistically, even though there's 5.5 million who are living in priority housing estates that are suffering from deprivation in France, on those estates, very few people actually turn out to vote. And so they're going to play on this idea of savagery on the estates, mayors being attacked and so on, and Mm. France needing to protect itself. And the language they are using is to say, even though these teenagers are French for several generations, this is because too many people are coming into France and there's too many immigrants. The people who are pillaging, stop, stop. They're using Nile as a pretext. No, they must stop destroying the shops, the schools, the buses. The mothers take the buses. We take the buses. Niall's grandmother has called for the protests to end and she said that her grandson's death is being used as an excuse for all these protests. How do you see this playing out now? What's been really interesting has been the local mums and the local grandmas that have actually gone out patrolling the streets in the afternoon and at night saying to kids, get back inside and please stop causing any kind of destruction in your local neighbourhoods. That has had an effect. There have been less arrests gradually. There's been less looting, for example, in Marseille. But fundamentally, there's a sense that the anger on the streets is still very much there and that things could spark off again at any moment. Angelique, thank you so much. Thank you. That was Angelique Chrysophis. The Guardian's Paris correspondent. You can keep up with developments on this story and read Angelique's reporting, of which there has been a lot in the last week, including her dispatch from Metz titled There Is No Hope. Simmering anger boils over in poverty riven French district, all at theguardian.com. And that's it for today. I'm Noshin Iqbal, and this episode was produced by Eli Block and Rose Della Rabiti. Additional research was by Sophie Smith. Sound design is by Rudy Zagadlo, and the executive producer was Huma Khalili. We'll be back again tomorrow. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Before Shopify, were you wondering where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. 
<clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen.